Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Cohesion Culture, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as on multiple favorite podcast platforms. If you'd like to receive notifications on when our podcasts have been uploaded, please like and subscribe. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. For 25 years, Dan Eds had been a practicing management consultant working primarily with state and local government, healthcare, K-12 education, higher education, and nonprofits. He's the author of two books, <clears throat> excuse me, two books. The first, Transformation Management, and his most recent book, Leveraging the Genetics of Leadership, Cracking the Code of Sustainable Team Performance. His latest book looks at how elite organizations approach the practice of leadership. The results are organizations that drive unparalleled customer value, daily innovation, and unmatched levels of employee engagement. So Dan, welcome to the show. Great, Candy. Thanks to be with you. Sure. And we did have you as a guest a few weeks ago, um, but for anyone who didn't hear that episode, I would love for you just to give a little bit more of your own background and how you got involved in your career, and then we'll start on the topic. Sure. Well, um, I don't know anybody that starts out a career, uh, you know, going to school, they get a degree in, in management consulting, <laughs> but uh, um <clears throat> I actually had finished my MBA and it was a downturn in the economy and I uh, couldn't buy a job, let alone an interview. And um, a friend of mine called me one day and he, um, uh, he was the business manager of a large school district. And he said, I have this problem. Uh, I have this organization. I don't know what to do with it. Can you come up and, and, and help me? So I said, sure. And I wasn't sure if I was, I didn't know why he wanted to see me. I didn't know if he was going to offer me a job or what he was going to mm -hmm. do. 
I realized about halfway into an hour long conversation that he really wanted a consulting, a consultant to come in and, and help him with this one particular organization. And I thought, well, you know, um, there's not much here. So I gave him a price that I thought was twice what he'd be willing to pay. And he paid it. So <laughs> that's, okay. how, that's how it got started. <laughs> it's always wonderful when things kind of happen, even if you don't intend to be a business owner. You know, that was my case too. I didn't actually intend yep. to be a business owner and things kind of happen. But when you see things kind of happen and you know, oh, this is where mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be. You know? Right, right. Yep. So I want to start talking about the topic. We're going to talk about having lean businesses and things, but Mm -hmm. someone might not even know what we mean when we talk about a lean business. So I'd love for Mm -hmm. you just to give the definition, first of all, what that is and how did that even come about and how do businesses put it into place? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Big question. And there's about five hours (laughs) worth of content right uh, right there all by itself. But briefly, lean is actually an an Americanized term. It's, It's not... Um, lean actually comes out of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the uh, it's the production system that really created the Toyota uh, the Toyota Motor Corporation uh, mm-hmm. turned a, a struggling, nearly broke truck manufacturer mm-hmm. in roughly 1949 uh, into today the most profitable um, car manufacturing company in the world that, by most measures, produces the highest quality cars. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, it's been morphed and it's been, it's, it's evolved. And as it came over here to the States, um, somebody got the brilliant idea. Well, it's really about lean and making everything lean. And so the name kind of stuck, mm. but basically it's as much of a, of a philosophy as, as it is anything. Um, lean is a way of thinking and, and it's, it's really looking towards perfection. Mm-hmm. How do you create the perfect car and, and how do you extract waste? And that's a big, right. big value in, in lean is extracting waste from processes wherever and, and, and whenever it occurs, because the idea is if you can extract waste out of a process and it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a direct process, let's say if you're manufacturing cars or a support process. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can extract waste out of that process, you can take that additional value that you've just created, and now you have a lot of options of what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You, could, you can pass that value on to the customer in terms of higher quality. And if it's higher quality, maybe they'll pay a higher price. Mm-hmm. And so you not only affect the relationship with the customer, but you also impact the relationship with your employees, because you could also take that value and give it to your employees in terms of a higher wage mm-hmm. or in terms of higher retirement packages or benefits or whatever. Right. And so, uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, it, uh, I was just going to say uh, lean comes with a number of tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, value stream mapping is, which is just a visual way of tracking a process from the customer all the way through the various activities until the customer actually takes delivery on it. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a value stream map just shows you where value is being added and where value is being de- detracted in the form of waste. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, lean identifies various forms of waste. Um, there's problem solving tools like the five whys, you know, why uh, you, you, you have a problem and you ask, why is that the problem? And you go through it five times and someplace probably between the third time you ask why and the fifth time 
you ask why, it's going to be really clear where the source of the problem is. Mm -hmm. um, things like uh, Gimba, which is a daily walk, um, visual management boards. Uh, Lean is, uh, puts a lot of emphasis on making management visual. So, for example, if you were to walk into a manufacturing uh, plant uh, of any kind and they're, they're practicing lean, someplace around there, you're going to see a wall or a board that shows, you know, the activities of the day, um, you know, production targets for the day. Here's the problems we need to solve. And it's all visual as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, someone dish passing out a computer Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and, and so people can gather around the board visually and verbally interact with it and see what the issues of the day are. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's incredibly effective. Right. Well, I have so many thoughts in my head on this topic too, as you were talking, but like the first one that I was even thinking is obviously, especially with what's been going on now and businesses have had, you know, reductions of income and things like that, that this would be extremely important to be able to cut out the excess waste. So there's greater profitability, you know, mm -hmm. to help them mm -hmm. with cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, and along with that, then no one really wants to have a business that isn't efficient. So mm -hmm. I guess the first question in this area would be, how does someone even necessarily start looking at things if it's not glaring them? Like some people might know, mm -hmm. yes, we are inefficient in this area, but if they're not mm -hmm. really sure even mm -hmm. where do the inefficiencies lie, like how would they even mm -hmm. begin the process of determining where that, you know, excess is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I've done a number of lean engagements and usually they say, we want you to come in and work with a team. Mm -hmm. And it's usually that group over there and help them with their processes. And we're kind of interested in this thing called lean. Can you do that? Yes, I could do that. Okay. Lean, take them through a lean workshop. And uh, those are always fun. Um, <laughs> there's always a lot of excitement when we get done with them. But the, 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 the real answer to, to your question is if you want to know where the inefficiencies are, ask your employees. Mm -hmm. they, will tell, they know exactly where the inefficiencies are. Mm -hmm. And don't ask mid-level managers. Well, you might ask mid-level managers, but ask the rank and file. If you're on the manufacturing, the manufacturing company, ask the people doing the manufacturing and the assembly. Mm -hmm. They know exactly where it is. Right. And if, it's, if you're in a service organization like a hospital, Ask the nurses, ask the med techs, ask the receptionist, um, ask the, 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 you know, the smaller clinic administrators. They will tell you exactly where the, where the inefficiencies are. And they may even look at you with a small bit of ridicule because they'll probably say something like, we've been telling you this for the last 10 years, but you're not mm -hmm. listening. Right. Well, and that's one of the other things I was thinking as you were talking would be, it sounds like going to the employees would be a good idea, but yet maybe we're not sure how to implement it. So are you suggesting still that it would be a good idea to bring in a professional that, you know, is really experienced in identifying those things and then they meet with the employees and have that conversation or should a business owner maybe just start the process by talking to employees? Like what would be that first step? Well, I think the first step is really just to get some, some general education about what lead is all about. And I would say start with the CEO all the way down to the janitor, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, and, and, and education around lean is, is, I mean, it's, it's all over. Go to the local community college and get it. There's lots of books on it. Um, 
But uh, the interesting thing about lean is that there are some indication, there's some research that suggests that 80 to 90% of all lean initiatives fail to do anything at all. Mm. Wow. And uh, from my own experience, I'd say that's, that's probably not too far. Now I'd have to look mm. at my, the lean initiatives that I've done. And I look back and I, well, probably at least half of them did really well. And, and, but there was at least half of them that came back three months later, nothing's changed. Hmm. And the reason for that, I think <clears throat> has nothing to do with lean has nothing to do with the, the tools and the principles of lean. It has everything to do with leadership and management. Hmm. Um, there's lots of books written about the Toyota production system. Um, there's a lot of people that talk about it. Um, <clears throat> there is, uh, any number of case studies that's, you know, about Toyota and the Toyota production system. Invariably, the emphasis is on the tools and the techniques of lean, which mm -hmm. are powerful. I don't want to discount that at all, but what is largely ignored is something called the Toyota management system. Mm. And that's what drives it. That's what makes it work. Let me give you, a, I think, a, a humorous um, but really challenging story. Okay. So uh, one of the organizations that I, I, uh, I referenced in, in my book, the latest book, is a hospital, um, hospital of almost 10,000 employees today. Hmm. And uh, they have been ranked in the last eight or nine years uh, consistently every year as one of the safest hospitals in, in the country. Um, some have speculated they're one of the safest hospitals in the world, which doesn't sound like a big deal. You just sort of mm -hmm. naturally think that a hospital is a safe place. The reality is avoidable accidents in hospitals is, depending upon how you're doing the counting, the third or fourth leading cause of death in America. Wow. So hospital safety is a big deal. Mm -hmm. This hospital was the first, uh, organ the first hospital system. Uh, to adopt the Toyota production system as the way they're going to deliver care. And they teach, they teach lean, they, they teach their production system all over the world. Hmm. But what, what I think is maybe an error they don't make as big a deal about is the management system that goes with it. So in their early experience with lean, um, they tell a funny story. They were in, they were in Japan. I think they're at a, a Hitachi plant. And um, uh, they were getting some education in, um, in lean and they were watching a, a manufacturing production going on. And um, there was a group of these, of these learners and they were being, uh, uh, there was a trainer or a sensei that was talking to them. Hmm. And uh, he would occasionally say, you could stay on one side of this white line or the other side of the white line, but don't stand on the line. And no one could really figure out what the big deal was about a white line. <laughs> and finally he said, that is a safety. And it was two lines. That's a, those are safety lines. And, um, and okay, it's their safety lines, no big deal. And he kept telling them, do not stand on the line. And uh, finally someone said, okay, what's the big deal about the, the white lines? And he said, those are safety lines. And every night, the night manager 
the, the, the person who's renting the plant at night comes out and he cleans those lines to make sure they're nice and clean and white for the safety of the employees. Mm-hmm. Now get that. Mm-hmm. The manager cleans those lines out of respect for the need of safety for the, for the employees. Mm-hmm. How many managers in the United States of America or in any Western corporation is going to go out and personally clean white line, get on their hands right. and knees, clean those white lines. Mm, not too many. Not too many. <laughs> and, uh, and so they, they pushed them a little bit further. And he said, finally, the, the last reason not to stand on the white line is out of respect for the person who had to paint the white line. Mm. So that idea of respect um, permeates and really has to permeate a lean culture. And it starts with the CEO respecting the, 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 the intrinsic value, passion, intelligence, experience of the employees. Can't mm-hmm. be just some kind of out there um, uh, uh, value. They actually have to know how to do it physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, they respect their people. And, um, and that's really at the core of the management system where managers recognize that they are, the, they are the support staff, essentially, for the people who are creating value, the frontline mm-hmm. workers, and ex- who are the ones extracting waste out of the, out of the system. Mm-hmm. That's important, too, because like you said, it's really the workers that are doing the service to that end customer in the long run that's generating the revenue. Right. Yes. As owners and, you know, those who are in management, you have to help run the company so the company can be successful to continue that. But it's so true that it really is, you know, that person that's doing like that day-to-day work Mm -hmm. that really is generating that revenue for you. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, you know, one of the, the, uh, it's a manufacturing company that I looked at pretty closely in, in, in my research, um, they had sort of uh, played around with lean for maybe like 10 years. I think it was 2006. They finally said, okay, we're going to jump into this thing called lean. And, 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 you know, lean is all about removing waste, extracting waste, wherever Mm -hmm. you see it. Well, I'm not quite sure how the process worked, but um, as they got looking at their plant, they, they recognized, or maybe the president recognized that he had a large office, as you might expect from the mm-hmm. president of a, of a, you know, uh, modestly large manufacturing organization. And he recognized it was symbolically a waste. Number mm-hmm. one, it was, it was an expensive piece of real estate. Right. And second of all, it's a, it, it, it was a two lane tunnel through which six lanes of daily uh, problems and issues had to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, it was a, it was a bottleneck. So if you walk into that, that uh, those offices today, that were the, the plant uh, today, there are no offices. Mm. The president doesn't have an office. Plant manager doesn't have no offices. Um, because what they found it creates value is for the president and all of the leaders and managers to be working side by side with their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that's not a manufacturing technique. That is a man, that is a man, that is an understanding of management and leadership that says 
we do our best work as leaders and managers, the closer we are to our people, mm-hmm. understanding their needs, what's, what's, what's impacting them today. And, and that creates relationship. It builds trust. It does all of the good stuff that we think leaders and managers ought to be doing. Right. So if somebody wants to start implementing then this, you know, management system that, you know, the lean management system mm-hmm. and are again, not sure where to start. Like, yes, this sounds mm-hmm. great. I mm-hmm. want to, you know, respect this. And, and what do mm-hmm. I do to change my system? Then what would you tell them to look at to, again, start this process to make sure that they're, you know, implementing things appropriately to be sure. able to have a lean business? Sure. Um, you know, it starts at a pretty high level and it basically says, what do we want? What's the experience of a workforce? What, mm-hmm. what kind of experience do we want for our workforce? And then kind of working backwards. So um, uh, the manufacturing company I just referenced, um, uh, when I asked them that question, they said, well, we, we're going to pra- we practice servant leadership. Mm-hmm. And the experience, the daily experience that we want of our workforce is we want them engaged everybody engaged with finding and eliminating waste. And, and that means a high level of collaboration and respect mm-hmm. and engagement. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the kind of experience that they need to start, they, that they started to develop through, for their workforce. And it turned into things like, well, if we want our people engaged with finding and eliminating waste, we should probably reward them for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, so, well, how do we do that? Well, anytime someone comes up on their own, a way of, of eliminating waste, improving a system, improving a process, we're going to give them PTO, pay time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, well, we want everybody to be involved with Kaizen, finding waste. So let's make, let's make the, the, the process that we have for finding and eliminating waste really, really just build it into the DNA of, of, of how we operate. So they provide PTO, paid time off for anybody doing a Kaizen, whether it's for the company or not. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I heard stories of, um, you know, uh, uh, someone getting a PTO because they did a Kaizen um, on a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And it uh, seems like I may have referenced this the last time we talked, but mm-hmm. one, of, one of the leaders told me that he had... Um, thought he was going to do his very pregnant wife a favor by uh, reorganizing her kitchen pantry. And um, he, he did a Kaizen, a formal Kaizen, how to improve the kitchen pantry. And he got his PTO. Um, didn't get a happy wife though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so you, it's, it, you really have to think about building it right into your culture, starting with mm-hmm. what's the experience of the workforce and uh, respecting them uh, as the frontline uh, warrior, if you will, in the, in the war against waste. Right. So having that kind of the culture of wanting everyone to feel that they can make those improvements in the business is really imperative to really having a successful lean business, it sounds yep. like. Absolutely. Can't, you can't, mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the reasons why a lot of them fail is because mm-hmm. there's not that reality there's not that understanding that you have to build it into the culture 
Mm-hmm. Too many times a CEO will read a book on, on lean. Oh, let's do lean. So calls in the, the, the chief off, chief operating officer. We want to do lean. Okay. Chief operating officer reads the book. Okay. Let's do lean passes it on to somebody else. And, and the, the, they think it's, it's like a, ten, a technique mm-hmm. or it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a cute little way of getting people to, you know, look at their, at their activities and the processes. But, too many times the executive leadership says, well, I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, uh, the, the guy who runs this manufacturing company, he's, uh, his company is now is, get, is, is really being recognized for the kind of value they're delivering to their, to their customers. And they have a waiting list of customers. They, they have their choice of the customers that they, <laughs> they want to do business with. And he gets invited you know, quite a bit to go and talk to this group or that group. And in my conversation with him, he told me um, uh, uh, an all too prevalent story and um, I could totally relate to it. He said uh, he had just been talking with a um, a large finance uh, organization. And uh, he said, you know, I have a series of questions I always ask. The first one of which is um, um, how many hours on average do your workers work? And he said, you know, someplace between 40 and 60 hours. Hmm. Okay. How many of that, how much of that time is actually has value, creates value for the customer? And he said the response was typical, about 50%. Mm -hmm. And so his reaction was, um, so in other words, you're, you're asking people, your employees, to voluntarily give up time from their family and friends so that you can flush it down a toilet in mm-hmm. work that doesn't have any value to your customers. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And he says, um, uh, I sort of let that set in a little bit. And then he said, I ask him, and he gets, the language gets a little colorful, colorful. He says, do you give a shit? Mm-hmm. And the reality is they didn't. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the um, all too prevalent reaction and reality with um, too many senior leaders is mm-hmm. we're doing fine. Why do we have to care? Right. And um, you do need to care. And that's actually one of the things that got me writing this last book is I finally got tired of talking with the rank and file people, realizing they were, they were begging to work for a company where they could be proud about. Right. They were begging to work for an organization that they can take pride in, that they could tell their friends, I work for this company and take pride in the value, the products that they're, and services that they're delivering to their customers. Mm-hmm. And too often, senior leaders didn't, d- don't really care um, about that daily work experience of their employees. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's that they don't really care or that they feel that's like the change is just going to be difficult to implement, or maybe they're so busy just trying to do the things that they have to do too. It's hard to actually make that change. You know, I think some people of course just don't like change at all. Right. You know? And so I think that would be, sometimes it's hard to make those changes, but I also know just from running, you know, my own company, I, I feel sometimes overwhelmed with how much, you know, just email even that you get mm-hmm. from so many people. And it's like, I wish there's yep. a way to like, just cut some of this out. But right. a lot of it is your, you know, 
customer communication or it's things that you need to have to support them. But I think sometimes you do feel completely overwhelmed with everything you have to do as well. So I'm just wondering like, where is it in there that, you know, obviously some, there are business owners and, you know, corporate, you know, executives that sometimes just don't care too. But I guess I'm wondering where in the typical, is it that you really still want to make the change, but it's hard because of timing issues or where do you begin? You know, like, I guess, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, it's really all the above. Mm. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think about in, in my, my experience working with, with uh, for and with organizations, there's, there's always going to be, you know, problems. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it's, it's the reality of organizational life. There's going to be organizational issues and problems you have to deal with. The thing about the lean, though, is you, you, you have to it's really start someplace mm-hmm. and say, we have this continual problem that comes back and bites us every month, every quarter, every year. Why don't we start there and figure out how to deal with it? Mm-hmm. And so it's looking at the root of the problem and, and, and finding solutions that work. Um, and so you've just now extracted one problem out of the out of your daily work that you have to deal with, and so go on to the next one, mm-hmm. and go on to the next one, and and eventually realize. Um, and I, I've heard this from any number of organizations they, that say, you know, when we started actively looking at the problems and starting to figure out how to solve problems rather than react to problems all the time, mm-hmm. we just freed up enormous amounts of time for us to start thinking about values and culture and the employee experience and engaging with employees. And we, and we had, and because we're looking at our employees as a creative source for ideas and giving and empowering them to deal with the problems that they run into every day, in designing new processes, changing their processes, working collaboratively together, we have a higher levels of engagement. We're putting more brain power on problems than if it was just the CEO or the COO or the CFO. Mm-hmm. And, and that really is, I think, one of the, um, the values of Lean is you're just putting more eyes, more brain power on the daily problems that come around and that, that we face. Right. Yeah. I think I like the idea of even just starting with one thing at a time, then it doesn't feel so overwhelming to people too. Right. Like, yes, we know that we have to make changes and yeah. it's going to be a lot to implement. So yeah, just yeah. Pick that one yeah. thing first yeah. and then work on that, get that smooth and then pick another thing. And, right. you know, maybe right. even asking the employees, like you said, like, what is the main issue for you? That seems the most important to start with. And then, yep. you know, kind of go from yep. there. Yeah. Uh, that would be a great place to start. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a, you know, if you have a hundred people on a, on a, on a team or a couple hundred people, ask them, what are the, what's the biggest issue that you face? Mm-hmm. They'll tell you if you ask mm-hmm. um, and, and then start there, start with do one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that will lead to another thing. Um, one of the, I, I don't write up, don't mention him in the book, but a guy that I know uh, early 2000s, um, he was um, promoted in a sense uh, to a state job where he was the, the director of a, of a transportation agency. Hmm. And um, like a week after he took the job, he found out that the governor 
um, was going to veto any legislation that gave him any money. Hmm. The, uh, the, the state uh, director, the, the state, um, the, the person who's, who's over transportation, the legislature um, told him, I'm going to veto any money for you at all. I, I would like to see you, you know, go away and, and not exist. And um, then he also realized within a week that uh, this was a funding agency. They had actually um, promised funding to the tune of uh, twice what they're actually money they actually had to 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 distribute. Oh, wow! And um, and so he I mean he was he was between a rock and a hard place. And uh, the first thing he did was he got his people together and said, "Okay, what's the big issues here?" Mm-hmm. And um, they started on one problem. They got that solved. Then they started on the second one, then the third one. And within four or five years, um, and there's, there's all kinds of stories about it. But within four or five years, the legislature was throwing money at him hmm. because he had created such a value-driven organization, so much respect for within the constituents and their customers that legislatures were, were giving him all the money they could because they trusted him with it. Hmm. That's important. I like that trust, you know, yeah, yeah. that's an important characteristic. Yeah. So again, here we are, there's, let's say the small entrepreneur, maybe they're the only owner and maybe they have, you know, a few employees, maybe they have a lot of employees, but they're like, yes, this sounds great. I, I want to start implementing this. I think it will help, especially now in, you know, the type mm-hmm. of situation we're dealing with. So mm-hmm. again, what should they do as their very first step in terms of moving forward in this plan? Not just, yeah, I want to do it or talking to the employees, but like yeah. really what would be that next step to really start implementing this? Well, the first thing obviously is get some education. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't just jump into it willy nilly, get some education. There's lots of books about it. Probably one of the most common books is I've got it on my desk. It's called lean thinking. And it's really about the Toyota production system. Mm-hmm. Um, but just get some basic education about it. Um, the second thing is I think you gather your employees and, mm-hmm. and, and you need to give them some training. And actually, that's one of the values, the core values of Lean is training. You train everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you have someone come in to provide some basic training. Um, I've done that training. It's, it's actually a lot of fun because it's, it's highly interactive. It's very engaging. Um, I, in fact, I was, I was doing uh, one of these trainings and I was demonstrating to four or five different teams how to do a gimbal walk, which is you just walk out on the plant floor and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we just had walked out there and um, I said, what do you see? And there was like seven or eight people there. I said, what do you see? And someone noticed that there was a um, home built ladder, two, two by fours with rungs in between that had been nailed vertically to a wall. And they said, you know, and then the bottom two rungs of the ladder were broken. <laughs> and, uh, Someone said, you know, that doesn't look very safe. And someone else said, well, yeah, you know, once a month, the electricians have to climb up on the roof of that, of this platform by this ladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, they realized it's very unsafe. So one of the first uh, uh, um, things that changed in this corporation due to this, this lean training was you actually got a safe ladder mm. <laughs> and they put guardrails <laughs> around this, you know, platform where these electricians had to deal with all the electrical panels. Um, but, you know, get some training and then I, and then train everybody. And, and, and then it, it really 
it evolves, you know, what's the, what, what kind of experience we want to give to our workforce and asking them, engaging them, um, where are we at? What are the problems that we need to deal with? And probably one of the, the simplest things to do is once you put together a, um, a, a team, a workforce team, a team of, of frontline workers to solve that problem, mm-hmm. keep the managers away. um uh uh and and give you know create a team four five six eight ten people Mm -hmm. here's the problem we're going to give you you know 15 minutes a day for the next week find the solutions they will find the solutions Mm -hmm. um one of the uh, i think great stories of, of a hospital that i've worked with they put together one of these teams there was no managers involved with the team they were frontline workers from a, uh, from a number of different departments within the hospital. And their job, uh, their mission was to find all of the opportunities they could to make the hospital and the clinics safer. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the first things they did, they just walked, walked the halls of the hospital. They walked through all of the clinics, just walking to observe, simply to observe what they saw. Mm-hmm. And, and what they found was 110 different area rugs that had, um, that had been curled up and cr- when created opportunity for someone to walk in, hit that area rug, trip on a, on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a curled up piece of it and fall down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they got, and, and they actually said those need to be changed. And so the hospital said, you're absolutely right. And they changed them. What do you think that did to their level of engagement? Mm-hmm. It skyrocketed. Well, valued, right? <laughs> yeah, they were hiring a kite. I mean, I met mm-hmm. one of the, one of the, I mean, I knew one of the people on this team. I saw her in the hallway one day. <laughs> she was so excited. She said, you can't believe what we've done. We've eliminated a hundred places for people to fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, within a year, um, there was a few other things that were involved, but within a year, the um, the number of days taken off because of accidents and, mm-hmm. and avoidable accidents and days taken off by staff because they were hurt on the job dropped by two thirds wow. within within a year, and um, and they 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 did some other things as well. But I thought that was just a great example of what happens when you get a people group of people together, you empower them. You say, find every opportunity for someone to fall Mm. and, uh, and figure out and figure out solutions. Right. You just created a better experience of safety for your patients, but you also just totally engaged 10 people who are now excited because they're able to contribute Mm -hmm. and they loved it. And, uh, so I think putting together a team like that, I would be maybe one of the first things I would do. Mm-hmm. And I think too, with the understanding that, you know, it might cost you a little bit more up front too, right? Because you've mm-hmm. got work that still has to be done, but now you're yep. giving them time off to talk about this or whatever. So, you yep. know, in the long run, you're probably investing more time or resources, but in the long run, right, it's going to have that return on investment, right? Oh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and my guess is that, yeah, there's going to be a short-term cost, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a massive long-term value. Right. Exactly. 
And that's, I think, one of the things why I wanted to have this topic, too, was just to really discuss what this really means and how to start implementing it. Because, again, I don't think any business owner or, you know, corporate management wants to have inefficiencies or or waste in the business. But sometimes they just don't see it or don't know how to correct it. So I thought this would be a great topic. So I know we're getting um, short on time for the the actual podcast episode, but I would love for you to mention to our listeners, too, if you have a special offer that you would want to share that um, they could reach out to you for. Sure. Um, Yeah, actually, on my website, I've got three uh, special reports. And um, one of them uh, deals specifically with servant leadership mm-hmm. um, and how to implement uh, a culture and a system of servant leadership. Now, lean does not require servant leadership. However, I would argue that it works best in a culture where the um, every you know the the, the frontline manager. Uh, executive uh, leadership team and the CEO understands that they need to flip the power dynamic of mm-hmm. their of their position, and instead of their position being a place where I'm going to tell you what to do, they that needs to be flipped, and so that the rank and file says this is what we need, and then the managers and the leaders are really the support staff. For the front front line staff in the battle to find and eliminate waste, mm-hmm. and they yeah. and they then get that report by going to my website um, danieleds.com slash resources and just got to fill out the form and it'll download. Perfect. I do want to also mention to anyone, if you are listening and you didn't actually hear the previous episode that we had um, that was on servant leadership that you just uh, referenced as well, you can find that also posted on, especially our YouTube page. We have a playlist of all of the podcasts. You can easily find that, I believe. I'm remembering off the top of my head, June 1st was the um, episode date of the servant leadership. Um, But you can also find it, you know, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, you know, a lot of those too. But definitely, I encourage you to go back and listen to that topic as well. It was a very interesting topic. Um, But you gave a website too, for how people can listen or connect with you. But how can they also find you if they need to call you or find you on social media? Sure. Social media, LinkedIn, I'm all over LinkedIn mm-hmm. and um, would love to talk to anybody. Uh, my number is my personal uh, uh, cell number is 425-269-8854. And uh, I dearly love it when people call and just say, I heard you talk about this. Mm-hmm. Can you, can we chat about it more um, or set up a zoom call? And mm-hmm. um, I'm actually doing one of those tomorrow morning at 6 AM with a, uh, with someone in India. So oh, wow. uh, in, the, in this day and age, uh, we can chat from all any place mm-hmm. in the world through through Zoom. And it's a uh, great fun. And uh, it's it's a great way to spend a half hour, 45 minutes or an hour. Um, I learned a ton by those uh, from those calls. And hopefully I'm able to provide, uh, you know, some initial um, um, direction on how to get started. Perfect. Well, thank you for sharing that information, how they can reach out to you too. And hopefully they'll look at your website too, for those resources. Cause it sounds like you've got some great things there. Mm-hmm. So I just appreciate your being a guest on my show again, you know, and talking about this, we had servant leadership and now we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, having this lean business. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Candy. It's great to be with you. And I do want to thank the listeners also for tuning in. Mm-hmm. 
I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about running a lean business. If you have any additional questions, be sure to reach out to Dan at either the phone number or the website that he gave. Or of course, you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. I hope you can join us next week for the five essentials for a magnetic LinkedIn profile. And please remember, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. You can find the podcast posted on multiple podcast platforms as well, as including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to This Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.